Hello everyone, welcome to Venture Worlds. We're here to discover humans who are designing a better future. Each of us has the ability to become pioneers who are focused on one mission, humanizing the world with our talents. Today, I have a special guest who used his own personal story to tackle the pizza world, which is a 47 billion market in the US. He is an Obeying American tech entrepreneur who is bringing the power of digitization to local pizzerias. Now, his company provides online ordering and a marketing platform for pizzerias, and more recently was named as Fast Company's annual list of the world's most innovative companies in 2021. And today services more than 16,000 individual locations. So it's my privilege to welcome Ilir Sela, founder and CEO of Slice. Welcome, Ilir. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to chat and looking forward to all the different topics that we're going to dive into here, but really honored to be here. Perfect, Ilir. Thank you so much. Uh, I'd love to begin with your origin story. And you have a very unique and multicultural <laughs> background. So I'd love for you to share your origin story, where you're from, and what led you to essentially build Slice. Yeah, I uh, look, I'm, I'm Albanian by background, as you mentioned, I was born in what was then called Yugoslavia, and what today is Macedonia or North Macedonia. And so, you know, welcome to the Balkans, right? Uh, <laughs> That's right. Fast. Albanians all the way. <laughs> yeah, this is how, how fast things evolve there. Um, and I moved to the US when I was 10 years old. Before that, my family actually lived in New York. My older brother was born in New York. And they owned a pizza shop called Charlie's Pizza on 75th and 3rd in Manhattan. And this was in the, in the 1970s. And so when, uh, when my family moved back in the 90s, um, you know, my uncle and a uh, number of family members ended up going back into the pizza space. Uh, I personally went down the tech path uh, and ultimately um, have a computer science and a math degree from, uh, from CUNY, City University of New York. Um, you know, my family's uh, an immigrant family, like most, uh, most Albanian families. My, uh, my father worked two jobs. And, you know, one of the things I remember from moving back, you know, moving to New York for the first time ever, and I'm coming from the city of Dibra, which is, yeah. for, for those of you that may know or may not know, it's, it's a little tiny town in like the border of Albania and Macedonia. Maybe there's like 10,000 people there, and that, that's very generous. There are no traffic lights. There's, there's, you know, it's just, it's just, <laughs> um, and then, you know, as a 10 year old getting on an airplane, landing at JFK and seeing all the lights out of the window for me, that was just like magic. Uh, you know, think about how many possibilities go through a kid's mind. Uh, when you look outside and you see that many, that many lights and, um, you know, my dad also is incredibly entrepreneurial, um, always instilled this idea that like never, never, you know, fail to seize an opportunity, never sort of don't settle for mediocrity, you know, as, as, uh, as the saying goes, that's the silent killer. Mediocrity is the silent killer. And so, you know, in, in, a, in a world and in a country that gives you all these unlimited opportunities and possibilities, what a shame it would be to not, you know, really try and, and think big and, and go for it. And so, you know, went to school and got a degree, as you know, the, uh, the bar for success, you know, when, when we go to school is incredibly high. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we have no other option. At least I didn't have another option 
other than to be an A student in school through and through. Um, I remember like I would get a grade and it was 99, right? And it was not 100. <laughs> and my dad would be upset. Like, what did you do that the teacher or the professor took away a point? You did something. And yeah. so I want to know what that is. And he didn't do it in a way that was like strict. He did it in a way that was just like um, very sort of positive. I don't know how, I don't know how he did it, but that's, yeah. that's, that's how I grew up. And so, um, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's kind of where, where I come from. And we moved to New York. I've lived in New York since, uh, since we moved to the U S and, um, you know, I'm, I'm now a New Yorker, but, but definitely go back, you know, to, uh, to Macedonia. Uh, we can get into it, but we, we now have a team of almost 700 people. Wow. In Macedonia, across uh, Dibra, Ofrid, and Skopje. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been a it's been a wild journey. Well, that that that's phenomenal, and uh, it, it's crazy how we share those same similarities. Uh, growing up, uh, family also immigrated here when I was six too, and you know, school and education was priority because essentially they said, "Hey, we're sacrificing our entire lives back home so we can open up these opportunities." Exactly. And it's a shame to just throw it away here, and, and that's all it takes, you know. So that's. That's amazing. It's amazing to see that that just transcend across uh, whether we, whether you know you settled in New York. I also remember coming to New York for like three days, and it was like mesmerizing. And then <laughs> and then we came down to Dallas, Texas. But hey, it's it's crazy just to see all that come to fruition and and where it stands today. You know, it as a as an individual growing up, you know, the Albanian culture itself plays a significant role as well too. Um, what qualities do you think were were critical in 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 shaping who you are today, especially you know being exposed to that culture on a day to day basis? Yeah, uh, well, totally with you on the educational front. Um, yeah. You know, and it it is a sacrifice. That is why my parents moved back to the U.S. was, and they sacrificed their entire life. They literally left everything behind in order to give their kids a an opportunity for a better future. Um, you know, I would say. Some other ones are, um, you know, this idea of trust, right? Like in Albanian, we use the word besa, which is yeah. which, which stands for trust. In fact, there's a pizza shop in Dallas called Besa's Pizza. Yes, there is. <laughs> one of our one of our best partners, and he's Albanian. Yeah. Um, and people may not know what that means, but it means trust. Uh, yeah. But trust is like, you know, when when you give someone your word. When you, you know, sort of promise someone something, or and vice versa, like we just we just work on this sort of system of trust. Um, it almost is sometimes to a detriment to myself because I'm. Once I have a conversation with a, with someone, I, I just trust blindly, right? Um, and so I don't believe in too many documents and paperwork and legal <laughs> documents. I just I just want to like I'm like this is a, a, a system based on trust. And so I think that, but it, but it's really important, right? It's um, you know, your word is is all you have, and um, you know, standing by that is uh, is just a very important part of the way I operate, both professionally and and personally. That's uh, hard amazing. work, like there is no substitute for hard work. Yeah. There are no shortcuts. Yeah. There is no get rich quick schemes. There's, there are no shortcuts in life. You know, as they say, you know, you always have to take the stairs. Yeah. And that was instilled in me by my parents and my grandfather. 
my dad worked two jobs. You know, he worked all day and then he would come home and one of our rooms in our, uh, in our apartment was turned into a studio. My dad is a, is a, an expert tailor. And then he would have clients and he would focus on their work until two in the morning and then wake up again and do it all over again. And so just hard work is the only way to a better future or the outcome or any goal that anyone has. There, there are no substitutes. Um, yeah. And then I would say the last one is um, just kind of the sense of family and um, togetherness, right? Like nothing, nothing special happens alone. You just, even if, even if you accomplish the goals or we accomplish any goals we set out to accomplish, it doesn't really mean anything if you do it alone, right? Like that, it's just not as, it's just not as rewarding. Um, you know, being together, having others to share a journey with, making sure that we're sort of, you know, all about mission and, and sort of that purpose is probably, um, a value that is, that is incredibly important to me. And, you know, those are sort of more, more personal sort of family type values. I, I love it. And it's, it's great because, you know, even with the Albanian culture, you know, coming back to the word base out trust, it's, it's a currency. And especially in today's world, it's a very valuable currency. And I think a culture that uh, still maintains these very uh, old traditions, but that have a lot of value in building stronger relationships, maintaining those relationships. And then, and then taking that and then transmitting it through your hard work and, and producing and creating something, it just resonates. Uh, so in a way, I feel like we, we've had that entrepreneurial culture, uh, built into our society from the beginning. Well, now there, I'd love to talk about slice and the idea creation. Um, so, you know, your foundation is set with your, with the values your family passed down to you, the culture that you were raised in. Um, and now you came out with an idea. And, you know, the unique part about startups, usually they're just an idea. In your case, you bootstrapped this idea, uh, achieving 40 million in uh, GMV uh, before you actually accepted any outside funds. So how did, how did that process begin? Yeah. Um, you know, it, there's uh, a number of things in my, in, in sort of my journey that have, that influenced the decision to launch Slice and ultimately scale it and, and get us to where we are today. I, uh, when I went to school, there was the sort of fast emergence of broadband internet. This was the early 2000s when I was in college. And one of the, one of the jobs that I, in really small businesses that I launched was a very small business was on-site tech support. And there was a company in Canada called Nerds on Site. And I thought it was genius. Like the branding of it was so great. So I branded my company Nerdforce. Uh, and launched it and we were based in New York and it was just basically me and like a couple of other folks and we would go and support small businesses with IT and, and tech support, setting up networks and things like that. What I realized is a bunch of my friends were kind of doing similar jobs. <laughs> we were all in the computer science program in, in, uh, in New York. And so ultimately as, uh, as we scaled and, 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 you know, tried to serve more and more customers, there were, there was always a dead end problem, like a problem that I just could not figure out the solution for. And I would find myself emailing my friends sort of in this group chat, group email back then. And somebody always had the answer. And for me, it was like this aha moment, which was like, 
this idea of being of being in business for yourself, not by yourself, right. became sort of the cornerstone and sort of the foundation of my belief system when it comes to business. This this value of togetherness, and um, yeah, ultimately invited them to join Nerdforce, and we became sort of a community of other similar minded operators. In 2005, we franchised the business, uh, and by 2008. I had 124 franchisees, collectively about 900 technicians in the in the ecosystem. And so, what did that, what did that mean? That meant that we were incredibly strong as individuals because we were part of this global community. Um, we had buying power because it was 900 of us, and we're now buying collectively. We had resources we can share, so we ended up hiring five or 10 people to answer phones, to book appointments based on the appointment that, you know, the franchisee would then be deployed based on the geography. So it was just like a bunch of these like awesome benefits. Um, and I tell this story because it'll sort of now lead into Slice. And anyway, I sold the company in 2008. And because of the tech nature of it, my family members who own pizza shops wanted me to help them with websites. A couple of folks were like, hey, look at what Papa John's and Domino's are doing with online ordering. This was super early. And it was interesting for me because like the asks were incredibly consistent. Uh, and what I realized was that these are actually another group. It's another set of like-minded operators who are today just working independently. Um, and so I wanted to learn more about the, the pizza industry as a whole before I jumped in and actually launched something. So I learned uh, a couple of things. One, you mentioned earlier, the industry is massive. It's incredibly underappreciated in terms of how big it is. So there's 47 billion in sales that passes through 77,000 pizza shops in the US today. That is just domestically for one year. That's huge. Yeah. Two, uh, what I learned and was a surprise was I was operating under the, the assumption that like the big chains made up the majority of that. So Domino's, Pizza Hut, Papa John's, Little Caesars. When in fact, they actually make up about 20,000 of those locations. Wow. So, yeah. so the vast majority of the industry is actually local, small business. And three, when I studied Domino's, and you know this from today, 75 to 80% of their volume today of their, of their business is e-commerce. That drives incredible benefits to that business. When you look at local businesses, it's sub 10%. And so I, you know, I believe that eventually all transactions will be e-commerce. I just know that. And so I didn't know when it, when that day would come, whether it be in 2020 or 2030, but in 2010, I knew that all transactions would become, you know, e-commerce. So ultimately I launched back then we were known as my pizza. Was mypizza.com and launched mypizza.com to unite all of these independent operators and turn them into a community and start realizing those same benefits of technology and marketing and shared services and economies of scale. And so started off with a handful of locations from family members and people that I knew that became partners and then bootstrapped it for the first six years. Um, I picked my head up in 2015 and we did 40 million in sales. Uh, so GMV is gross managed volume. So yeah. 40 million in one year was kind of wild. Um, we were <laughs> yeah. a team. I was 
operating out of Starbucks or or pizza shops, and you know, I realized that there's um, there's a much bigger opportunity here, and and perhaps it was time to reach out to folks who could help me scale. Wonderful, and and now that you hit that inflection point, uh, you know, the business was viable. There there was product market fit. There was it it, it was it was a sustainable business. Uh, then you connected with uh, individuals like Jeff Richards, Kate Cole, Adam Bain, uh, and and now you were exposed to a much larger role uh, than what you originally started with. So I'd love to talk about how you transitioned from being the startup founder to now scaling it into potentially 100%. I know it's going to be a unicorn or more in this case, but into uh, now becoming uh, a very large and sustainable business at, at, at a large scale to tap into that other market share that that, that is left uh, to grab. Yeah, it's. Um... You know, it was, a, it was a gradual evolution. It's something to be, to be honest, I'm still going through today. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a mental switch from being, uh, actually, I'll, I'll go back to the franchise story. When, when I first launched that business, we were a business that fixed computers and set up networks and, and things like that. Well, once we franchised, we were no longer a business about fixing computers. We became a business that supported other businesses, our franchisees, who ultimately provided that service. But we, we eventually became a, uh, a service provider to other businesses, not in fact the direct sort of, you know, um, operator. Right. And that's a similar sort of transition I had to make. I went from being the person who was selling, managing accounts, talking to, you know, directly talking to customers. Although I still do that. I'll always do that. To a business that, or to a leader that ultimately surrounded myself with an amazing team. And that team includes board members. That team includes investors. It includes our management team. It includes, you know, everyone at Slice who collectively, I hope, are 10 times smarter than I am. Because if I'm not hiring smarter, I'm failing at my job. And so as I say to everyone today, I like to believe that I am the least qualified person at Slice. That means I've done a great job at hiring and surrounding myself with people who are better than me and learning from them. And hopefully we're all sort of learning from each other. But the transition happened sort of uh, somewhat gradually starting in 2016 when I reached out to one of the founders of Seamless, uh, which now is Grubhub, Jason Finger and Wiley Cirilli and Paul Applebaum. And they came on board and helped me scale and introduced me to some great leaders who joined the company as our president or head of product or head of marketing. Um, you know, and then along the way, meeting investors who wanted to participate in, in this journey. And, you know, I don't like Jeff Richards is one of my closest friends and advisors. And, you know, I, I don't think of them as board members. I think of them as partners, as peers, and we're all focused on how to improve the, the performance of this business and our, our solutions for our customers. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. And just to see how that evolution just organically starts to develop, uh, especially as, as you hit these tranches of success. Um, it, it's great. And it, it, it takes you where you want to be, at least, uh, from, from a company's perspective. Now, you know, you did hint at, uh, having a very large team, not just here locally, but also globally. And, and, uh, as I was listening through some of your podcasts, uh, 
you know, I love one of those quotes you mentioned, opportunities have borders, but talent doesn't. And I wanted you to expand on that statement and how you go about managing uh, such a global team and leveraging the talent that goes beyond the U.S. Yeah. And uh, look, we've been so I, I absolutely believe in that opportunities have borders, talent doesn't. And I know that firsthand because of where, where we grew up. Right. Like, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Um, there are so many places around the world where education is so critical. And in so many cases, it is the only way out of poverty. Right. Like these are third world countries. I come from a third world country. Um, and and so there's so much creativity and so much talent that is suppressed in in some way suppressed by lack of opportunity and you know as i was bootstrapping the company and i started thinking about hiring folks to help me perform even like general tasks i started thinking back to my family members in uh, in macedonia and they had no jobs and so with the emergence of internet and video and you know you're in dallas i'm in new york and we might as well be sitting across from each other <laughs> right so those borders have completely been you know knocked down and so what i realized is that i can create opportunity for people in places where they don't exist but also be able to tap into talent that you know is going to help the company scale at a, at a much faster pace it was never done at the detriment of the of the business, it was always with the purpose of making sure we find the best talent possible. And you know, I'm I'm incredibly proud of what that team has accomplished in Macedonia today. We again, as I mentioned, we've got about 700 people across uh, Dibrovnik and Skopje. We also have a team in Belfast, Northern Ireland, who is incredible. That team today is about 70 people. Wow. Similar situation to Macedonia, just in this case, it happens to be a much a much greater focus on product and, and engineering. And then we've got a, a team here in New York. And you know, how do we manage? I think it's um it's kind of deeply rooted in our culture because it's we've operated this way from day one. Um you know I think when you surround yourself with incredibly smart people and everyone is in, very mission driven and our goals are incredibly clear, then Autonomy allows people to row in that same direction and hopefully get to the same outcome. Um, and it's been been one of my favorite parts of Slice is just this multi-hub approach and this distributed model that we've created for talent that's um, that has allowed us to to succeed. It's the, it's the only reason why I'm here. I love that, and, and to me, it also it, it's a strong competitive advantage to have uh, tapping into the talent globally uh, to sustain uh, a growing business as like Slice. So I think that's that's a, such a valuable uh, valuable lesson as well as for companies um, who are sometimes are just focused locally and feel like oh, the, if if I'm comp- competing so much for engineers, you know, if you have the right infrastructure put in place, expand expand the horizon and and see what the world has to offer. And absolutely, and for, look, all yeah. in, we're, we're a thousand people today, and yeah, growing that's quickly. amazing. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in my New York office, and there's about 200 people here, and it's 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 pretty it's pretty fascinating, it's pretty awesome. I love it. And and now, in terms of just Slice and the future of Slice and where it stands today, I know you guys just had a very successful raise, I believe it was around. 
43 million recently. And, and now, uh, you said a, a significant portion of that, uh, was to su suddenly just start expanding on slice accelerate. Um, so you mentioned, you know, some uh, strong suits that companies like Domino's have and digitization is at the core of their strategy, uh, for future success. And then, of course, we had the pandemic and that just <laughs> put a stamp on it. Accelerated. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then, and now, uh, with Slice Accelerate, what do you hope, uh, for that process and program to essentially evolve into and succeed for, for the rest of the independent uh, business owners out there in, in the pizza world? Yeah, a couple of things. So one, Slice Accelerate is designed to empower existing shops, existing merchants, existing entrepreneurs, family pizza shops to realize the best version of themselves. Uh, so I'll give you a stat. An average small business pizza shop has about 500,000 a year in revenue. An average Domino's location sees about $1.2 million a year in revenue. Wow. Yeah. The cost to operate a Domino's is actually less than the cost to operate a small business pizza shop. And so we want to bridge that gap by bringing our best selves, all of our capabilities forward to help the local operator to, again, realize their full potential. And so we help them with brand. There's a lot of pizza shops. Sometimes they inherit another person's location. They have a vision to redo their brand and they never get to it because yeah. it's super busy and they don't have the resources or they don't have the money and they're trying to save up. Yeah. But we have an amazing brand team. So we want to do that for them. I also think that's a better experience for the customer. We plug in all of our technology. So that's slice register payments, which is a discounted version of what they're able to get on their own. Uh, online ordering a website full suite of photography so that their products can, we can shine a light on it so that the customer knows exactly what's available and what, what they're getting. And then leveraging data to make better decisions. Like we know free delivery is important. We know low order minimums are very important. We know some price, some, some items should be priced more. Some items should be priced less. And then we've, uh, we've launched slice rewards, which is this best in class rewards program to get free pizza for every eight orders of, you know, a customer places. And so we come in and as we apply this all in suite of services, what we have seen is that the businesses that we uh, invite into this program just completely accelerate, which is how we came up with the name. Yes. So I'm, I'm really proud of that. And in, in essence, it's, it's a program that allows family owned pizzerias to realize their full potential and not to have to figure everything out on their own. And then the other part of the program is helping new operators launch their business. Um, you know, I, we moved here and I come from a, an immigrant family and a lot of other folks who are moving into uh, to the U.S. or have come here recently or perhaps work at other pizza restaurants have a dream of owning their own pizzeria. But the barriers to that are incredibly high. It costs a lot of money. They don't have access to that capital. They have a lot of anxiety about where the location should be. What should it be called? How do I buy my equipment? Who does my website? You know, all these things. And so what we're now creating is uh, a pizzeria in a box program, ultimately, where we're going to be launching an incremental, you know, hopefully an incremental 50,000 locations over the next, you know, five to 10 years. That is my goal is to wow. go from 
50,000 local pizza shops in the U.S. to 100,000 local pizza shops in the U.S., expanding the TAM, giving opportunity to operators who are passionate about the craft, but not passionate about, you know, processing payroll and running marketing campaigns. I love it. And, you know, when you think about these, you know, there's a lot of trends, especially happening uh, from, from this perspective. What, let's say you achieve and you reach that level of digitization for small business owners. So you eliminate the concept, all, all those hurdles that, as you said, owners don't want to deal with. And I've seen it with my own cousin. And when he asked me, Hey, Igly, can you create a, uh, a website for me? I said, have you heard of a company called Slice? <laughs> He'll do it. He'll do it far better because I'll do it once. And then it's going to be hard for me to manage, especially if I don't have any incentive or I'm not operating the business. And that's, you have those. And then you have those that don't even have any form of digitization. But let's say you achieve that layer. What then separates Slice from Domino's once, once they, once, once you've hit that equilibrium of digitization? Oh yeah. Well, see again, like I come from the franchise industry and I know it's benefits, but I also know it's downside. Domino's is ho- is a homogenized experience. Domino's has, you know, a menu of like five or six products and that's it. Yeah. And the beauty about this, I call our model the, a reverse franchise model, but the beauty is that you're bringing these franchise benefits, but you're amplifying the one part that franchise companies completely suppress, which is creativity, authenticity. And so the way we will win isn't just by matching these best-in-class brands in digital, but then the creativity that will come out of that. What happens when you unite 30,000, 50,000 makers, put them all on one platform, connect them all digitally, have them share best-in-class experiences, best-in-class recipes, best-in-class ideas, go and create. Imagine how delicious the consumer experience is going to be as a result of that. And so, you know, authenticity and variety and, um, you know, just local will, in my opinion, will always win. Uh, we, I, we want to, we want to amplify those debates about who has the best pizza. <laughs> I love it. Now that's, that's perfect. That, that takes, that takes community to, to a whole nother level as well, too. Um, and I'm assuming, especially, now that everybody essentially is acting somewhat, uh, all these independent owners like, like a, a collective together, a co-op in a way, uh, of course, to get all the sourcing benefits and everything else that potentially will come from it. Uh, but will they be able to leverage successes, recipes and everything that they can start sharing between each other? Then who knows, maybe something that's successful in California could be super successful in, in Texas. Exactly. So uh, again, it's this whole idea of being in business for yourself, not by yourself. Yeah. And so the vision is, and we're, our teams are working on, on products to support these capabilities, but it's in essence to have a view of your own business. So imagine logging into the Slice Owners portal and you've got a view of your own business. And then there's a tab where you tap on that and now you have an entire pizza community uh, who is you know innovating. Uh, you have other peers you can talk to. You can learn about best practices. You can learn about what are the most, you know, sourced ingredients that are becoming incredibly popular. How do I, how do I get that? So that community layer, um, you know, hopefully we can call it slice university or something, but it'll be, <laughs> it'll be this sort of community that'll make, you know, makers even better at their craft. I think it'll be pretty cool. 
I love it. That that's certainly a beautiful future, uh, especially for passionate entrepreneurs that want to open up pizzerias. Um, but also a great model for other independent businesses out there beyond pizzerias as well too. I think it's uh, it's a I can't wait to see the future of Slice uh, as it evolves. With that, Elir, I'd love to then finalize with two personal questions here. And, uh, and the first one is, uh, I ask this to every guest. So, you know, as Slice has evolved, as you've achieved your own personal achievements, uh, at the end of the day, how will you measure your life? Oh, uh, just simply by the impact that we've made um, on the world that we leave behind. Um, was, you know, is the world a better place as a result of our work here, whether it's personal, even if, even if that means I've made an impact on one person to make a better decision, hopefully. Um, but I think it's strictly based on the impact that you make on others. And ideally, especially from, from, from where we come from, being able to see that the possibilities are endless. Hopefully that's an impact that becomes synonymous with, you know, other operators and entrepreneurs who want to achieve something special. And then the final one here, I also like to educate the audience a little bit as well, too. So what phrase in Albanian could be a word, could be a phrase, would you like to pass on to everyone uh, so they can they could remember any time they think about Albanian? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't, you know, that's a good question. I, uh, I, I don't speak Albanian too. I mean, I can speak it, but I don't use phrases. And therefore, let me see. Let me think about this. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I can say it in English, maybe. Sure. You know, it's uh, basically it's no matter what you do, you're going to have to work as hard as possible in order to accomplish success. Yeah. So why not work on something that is world changing? Yeah, I love it. I love it. And every Albanian parent would write that down, script it and make sure that it's drilled in every child's head. Exactly. Well, Elir, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your background how you built an idea and then executed on that idea and then what hopefully the future of Slice will be uh, and then some lessons, uh, personal lessons on your end too. So this was uh, very enriching and it was a masterclass in itself. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Humanizers, I hope you enjoyed that story. It really gave us a perspective on what it means to build a thriving business from an idea and create a positive impact for small businesses. So now, I ask you this, what world do we want to design and what humanist values will guide us? Stay tuned. On to the next story.